Chun wanting to go deep. And he's got him! 81-yard reception! Here's a big hole! Look out! He is gone! Travion Henderson! And hand to Brees Hall. Brees Hall! Painter once again! There and here is an onside kick. Fielded by Blue McCoy! What a grab! Khalil Shakir! Welcome back to Burning the Red Shirt. Uh, this is episode 16. I'm your host, Zach Tal. Again, with me is Andrew Katz and Chris K. You guys doing all right? Good, man. Doing great, man. Big, big, big yeah. show vibes. Got a little bit more energy to the table than I thought I was going to have. Like, yeah. So, Ray Rock. Definitely talking marketing and yeah, and, and back all to the day, blending yeah. the day job and the night job. Exactly. All right. So we're running a little late, so we'll kind of try to keep this as brief as we can, but we have a few topics we want to discuss. Um, one of the ones that, that I noticed in the discord was the bot. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about <laughs> supplemental drafts and what a good strategy is. I know leagues are all different. Dynasty leagues are all different, different sizes, different roster sizes, you know, all that. But in general, when you go into a supplemental draft, are you drafting, like best player available, or are you going to like, oh, I need a I need a quarterback, so I'm gonna take the best quarterback available. But may there might not be a great quarterback, but you need one. What what's your strategy in terms of that? Chris? Uh I didn't know if Andrew wanted that one first or not. You always you always luck into like some guys that are just like absolute studs, and it's more just like a preference of what you want. So like I think a lot of people are going to see, obviously, Cameron Ward is available. And as much as, like, I hate on him, like, I think it makes a lot of sense in Dynasty, like, a ton of sense. Uh, it's just more the one-year stuff that I don't really like. But, um, but like, also, for instance, I think it's our league, like, right? Like, Trig is available. Miles Price is available. Cameron Ward's available. Like, you have a lot of options. And then there's a couple, like, you know, there's what two really relevant freshmen and Luther Burden and Nick Singleton. So like that, are, that should in theory be available and playing for three years. I think overall, like I'm not going to take a senior uh, with an early pick. Those guys always seem to really slide. So I think well, like for instance, Mac Hick, Hippenhammer is a name in our league and he's like a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. And I think he could be there at the end of the first of a, like, you know, pick 20 to 30. Just because people love going young. Yeah, that was another point I was going to make. So when you go into a, a, a supplemental draft, like the grabbing freshmen or like sophomores that have two, three, four years of eligibility, it's very appealing. But at some point, you got to try to win the league. And if there's a senior there that will, like let's just say Cameron Ward, and you grab him, like you almost have to grab him, in my opinion, if he's going to be a 30-plus point. 40 point quarterback well he's a mix of like both right like ward could do kind really of, well yeah. this year and have you know like think about last year trevion henderson was like one of the top guys and he's yeah. gonna be very relevant for three years or two and then he sits out a year um so like I, there's you're gonna get that right like luther burden seems like a guy that's gonna be very good for three years same with nick singleton he's not gonna be like trevion level but it feels like he's very likely to be a similar type boat, but 
yeah, I don't know. I, I think some years you just get no-brainers. It just depends on how early of a pick you have. Andrew, you got any thoughts? I would say generally I try and approach supplemental uh, drafts and thinking about it in terms of just doing it. Like I'll try and mock it up and think about how, how when the pick, when it eventually gets to me, which is inevitably that like the back half of the first round, right? Because my team's been good the previous year. When it gets to me, what the, what's the board going to look like? And I feel like consistently, I always overestimate people's propensity for actually taking players who are going to see the field sooner than later. Like people are super into freshmen, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And even with a, a class like this class, I don't know. Like I I I, I feel like I, I talk about it all the time on the pod how I'm just not really the best uh, authority when it comes to to freshmen, but I don't know. The sense I get is that there's something really super interesting or crazy about this class, generally speaking, relative to some of the other ones we have. But even with that being the case, I I would think that more freshmen will go in the first round than you would than the consensus would be if you tried to put together a supplemental mock just because people get on the clock and they get freshman fever. Um, but I I mean I don't know. I kind of break it down into like three different parts. Supplemental draft, like there's your first round where it's going to be. Well, I, I think it's probably going to be mostly comprised of elite uh, freshmen and then um, players who, based on ADP, are just going super high. Cameron Ward, Miles Price, people of that ilk. Uh, that's probably, I would say, the, your first slash, slash second tier. I almost want to put like the, the guys who are going to be like the immediate producers in like they're in that second tier behind the, the freshmen because the freshmen always just seem to go higher in the ones that I'm a part of. And then everything after that, like it, it's almost, it's everything. It's just like throwing. It seems like people just kind of throw paint at a paint at the, at the, the board and see what happens. Like there's really no rhyme or reason. And I think that that's that, that third part is where it's kind of the, the most fun and you could do, you can try and find, really cool and interesting things. It's uh, it's funny, like in supplemental drafts, I know in years past, like I'll have my board of all these guys I, I, I'm targeting and like, I'm kind of torn on a guy like, all right, it's like second or third round. I'm like, eh, do I grab him now? He may not be there the next round. And then I get to the next round and he's still there. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm just the only one who is keeping tabs on this guy. And then I inevitably wait too long. And then he goes like fifth round. I'm like, oh, I should have I should have grabbed him when I thought about it. But I know when I'm setting up for the um, supplemental draft, and we actually uh, were chatting about it the other day, Chris. Um, like I look at like what I need first. Like I say, if I I'm really light at running back, I'll go like look at the running backs available first, and I'll kind of see okay, there's nothing really there. So now I just take best player available. I think if there's a, a running back that or whatever position I need, and he's at the top, he's a top five pick, then, and I have first or second pick, I, I take him, no hesitation. But if you're where Andrew's picking, like at 15 to 20, then you, you kind of just, you, you kind of have a guy that you know is not, you're not going to take a guy that's going to be a top 10 pick because you know he's not going to fall to you. You know, like Cameron Ward, he's probably not going to be there back half of the first round. You know, and I'm just speaking from our, um, mm-hmm our league, but that's a, I think a surefire starter at quarterback in a pretty good 
pretty good situation. I know we talk about him, and we'll talk about him a little later, actually, but I'll save that. Um, but I, I think just different ways you can approach prepping for it. I guess it also I, depends on what you've lost, too. Like, if if you have a team that's that was a young team last year and you don't have much to replace, you can take more chances – in the draft versus like if somebody, if you don't have a really good roster, you need to fill it with guys that are going to play and contribute now. Unless yeah. I think there's a balance, right? I there's college fantasy is so crazy different than NFL. Like you're going to have plenty of opportunity to find old guys in the middle of the season and young guys, right? Like mm-hmm. if you do a really good job in the waiver wire, you don't have to worry about drafting because you can still right. find enough stuff. Um, Unless you have three pickups a season, but we'll talk yeah, about yeah. <laughs> uh, I think overall, like, just if you're looking young, you just take the guy that you have you feel is the best, no matter what the position is, right? Like, if you know when DJU and Bryce Young were freshmen, like oh, about to be freshmen, me. right? That was like a no-brainer, right? Like, you just take yeah. one, like whatever one falls to you, right? But yeah. like, I think this year, you know, you have your burden, you have Singleton. Like, once those couple top guys go. It's just like, mm-hmm. okay, well, who do I think is the best? Doesn't matter. A good the leagues are so deep, right? Like in our league, I drafted Jordan Addison, Marvin Mims, uh Booty, like, and I still could use flex help. Like I just nailed three receivers and I still need flex help. So like I wouldn't worry too much about like, well, now I have too many receivers. Like you're never gonna run into that situation. If you do, yeah. you can trade them like Andrew loves doing. You know, getting heavy on one position, then trading him for the other. So he likes to corner you know, the market, and then he, <laughs> then he, then he ships them off to like build his team. Although I will say, I think Mike Bainbridge would agree. Quarterback, if you're tiebreaker, tie would be quarterback. Like I think, if you're going to win a championship, you almost always have elite quarterback play. So if you're going to mm-hmm. think about a guy that you're going to go young with, and it's between this guy and that guy, you know, once the quarterback, you go with the quarterback. Like I think of like Vernon Adams that year he, he transferred to uh, Oregon, right? Like it was a no brainer. He was going top five in that system. It was, it may not have worked out exactly, (laughs) you know, like the process was right. Yeah. It was just, the hit rates are awful on these things. I posted one of our draft supplemental drafts from like 2016 and it was like literally one player was decent out of 22. Like, let's not get crazy. None of us know what the heck we're doing to that much of an extent. So you just take the best guess at it and you're almost, you know, you're going to be wrong anyway, like more than likely wrong. So you might as well just not overthink what I it. I also think's funny is, especially in our league, you have the handful of guys that like only go freshmen. Like there's no, you, you know who I'm talking about. Like they strictly go freshmen. There's, there's not they're not taking upperclassmen until like sixth, seventh, eighth round where they're they're getting guys that are still available. And you're like, wow, how is he still available? But everybody went so young early on. And then like I think guys just kind of slipped through the cracks. There's so many players that, you know, they may have been average, maybe a little above average last year, and now have a chance to be, you know, a, a upper tiered player um, given the right um, situation. But it just depends on your league mates too. Like you're like everybody in the league is different. has a different philosophy on what's important. Do you want youth for longevity or do you want uh, production today? 
And I think, like you said, there's a balance that you have to try to find, especially in the dynasty. There's also a lot of value in it, right? Like I brought up Mac Hippenhammer. Like he's like a sixth round pick right now in best balls, which is a lot. Like that's a very good pick, right? It's like receiver 15 or 18 or something like that. And, but if you get like Luther Burden, you're going to get three years of like, you know, let's say 11th round value, then like sixth and fifth round value, right? Like there's three seasons that go into it. So I can understand why people like going young. It's just, all of a sudden your hit rate becomes that much lower. Yeah. Andrew, you got any more thoughts on this? If not, we can, we can move on. If you want. I, would, I mean, I would just, I think that like when you have deep rosters uh, for dynasty, the supplemental drafts become a lot more interesting because like in our league, our rosters aren't that deep, but in the back half of the draft, I'm usually, I'm doing, I think I'm largely just trying to find producers um, because we, our, our league isn't deep enough where you can just stack endless, for instance, like one of the things I, I like to do in a lot of leagues is try and find uh, quarterbacks that are a year away from starting, but I, I really believe in. Um, but our league doesn't really allow for that too much because our benches aren't that deep, even though it's not. Right. I think, what, 35 total players, I think, on our our, that many? I think it's thirty five. Oh, and it wasn't that many. I think I just recently upped it to thirty five. Really? Last yeah. year I feel like we played like twenty eight or something like that. Like our we won't we only had like 10, 12 player benches or something, right? It, I think when we started, I think yeah, it was like twelve players on the bench. Yeah. We had the three yeah, red so, spots. So when, the, when your bench is looking like that, you can't really yeah. get too interesting in terms of trying to uh, so the new like the new um, BTR Dynasty League that we started. It's 45 players on the roster. So a little deeper than the one that we're now. Are we, are we doing defense? Uh, what did we decide? I think so. Probably. I think I so. I mean, this winning edge league we're in, or I'm in, I don't know if you're in, uh, I think you're in an Andrew, are you? I'm not in a... Uh, oh, no, we take sorry. defenses. It's, it's, it's like literally... Weeks. Yeah, go ahead. You have like everybody and their brother... You know, like <laughs> everybody is on your bench, which just right. makes it a different type of league. You know, it's just right. Kind of right. So we do two QBs, three running backs, four receivers, two tight ends, and two flex and a defense. So the starting lineup is pretty, pretty deep. Uh, 14 starters, and then you'll have what, 31 on the bench. So. Pretty a lot deeper than the one we're in currently, but um, I guess we'll see how that goes. We'll probably start that draft here probably the next couple weeks, but I will keep the Discord um, up to date. And if you haven't joined the Discord and you're listening to this, please do. It should be on the pod's Twitter account at BTR underscore pod. Um, if it's not, I will, I or Chris will tweet it out um, shortly. But I want to go ahead and move to there's a it's a surprise little segment I kind of came up with. These two guys don't know anything about it other than that it's a surprise segment. And I want to do it's basically a an either or pick pick who you think will be the best of the two in terms of fantasy production. Um points per game mainly. Think of it that way. 2022. Yeah. This upcoming season. So they're all three. All three pairings are quarterbacks. I didn't. I didn't think way too hard on this, so forgive me. But 
Cameron Rising versus Stetson Bennett. Are you trying to trigger me, Seth? <laughs> well, I, I, I picked two quarterbacks that would that would kind of they would have some I don't say controversy that's not the word but have some um, talking some juice to them. Yeah. I mean, Cameron Rising is like a no brainer, right? Yeah. Am I overthinking I, I, that? I, I I I like Stetson, of course. I feel like Stetson's way underrated in terms of fantasy. I really do. Like, I think people. Like so, oh no, he's not going to throw it enough to to get a lot of points. But like, I think if you go look at his numbers, like they were. I tried so- to make an argument in uh in the in Heisey's best ball league or dynasty league the other day that Stetson Bennett is on the same tier as Bryce Young when it comes to <laughs> to fantasy. My argument was that Bryce had nine games of twenty two and a half or more fantasy points last year, and Stetson. Play, started two less games of him than him and had six such games. So he really was just one game away from being on the same tier. So I'm going to steal your segment here. Did you guys see Chris Moxley's tweet about like startable weeks versus non-startable weeks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was, I mean, that kind of goes with it, right? Like ultimately if you're not, which I, it just goes so much deeper than just like, yes or no because there's just way too much that plays into it and like how do you know after the season when you should start a guy versus when you like you know is this defense really did you know they were going to be elite in week three like that type of thing but it's kind of like that right like startable weeks make sense and if Stetson Bennett is like you know very good in seven weeks that's very valuable for those seven weeks, but I mean, I'm not going to get to that area. That's just I'm on, I'm on the, the Utah bandwagon this year, though. Like, I, yeah. I have I have I have a decent amount of money on them to win Pac 12. I've been drafting Tavion Thomas and Rising in lots of best balls. Um, I think they're gonna score lots of points when Rising took over his quarterback last year. The offense ticked up. He had so he have you watched him play? He look it's their offense is so strange for like for all the reasons you would expect, right? So first of all, they they do like my favorite college football thing a lot of the time, where it's just it's just a two man game between the running back and quarterback, and one of them's going to do something cool pretty much every single play. It's just a matter of who it is. So you could like legitimately stack them both and like take it down a tournament with it, which is like the most, in my opinion, the most fun way to do it, right? The QB running back stack that is not really ever going to be over owned on any site slate of significant size. Because like people don't really think that way, right? They're they're either trying to attack the the run game with the the running back or the passing game with the quarterback and receivers. But I think Utah like the way they their offense functions allows for that. Um, similar to like with Cincy with uh, Ritter and Ford in the past. But their offense is weird though, and like because they, like they're they they just. All they do with respect to the passing game is check down to running backs and tight ends. Like the receivers are just kind of out there for funsies. But it's not even like the Oregon thing, thing in, in my opinion, where the passing game just blows. Like it's efficient and effective in Utah, yeah. and the, the, their tight ends are hitting. They're hitting explosive plays to the tight ends, and they can actually do real damage in the passing game. It's just how they do it is super kind of strange. So just on a statistical um, comparison. I'm using um, the scoring setup in 
the dynasty league, but Cameron rising averaged 22.74 points per game. And uh, Stetson Bennett averaged 21.74, but I believe it takes in the national championship game into it. There's lots of weird idiosyncrasies with that. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying like they're, yeah. they're not yeah. as, they're not as lopsided as you may think. Yeah. Um, like the fantasy circles are going to say, yes, oh, clearly Cameron rising. And I, I would probably tend to agree, yeah. but I don't think Stetson Bennett's a bad um, alternative to him. No, I, I've taken Stetson at the end of a couple of drafts, mostly for homerism purposes. Right. But I mean, as like my QB seven or whatever, like, I think, I think he's going to pop into my lineup a few times throughout the year. He'll like, he'll throw up some 30 point games and optimally it's in a week where I actually need him to do so. I I think there's a time and a place for him, right? Like there's definitely, if you take quarterbacks with a ton of upside, right? Like if you go Cunningham and Plumlee early, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense to go a guy like Stetson, who you know is going to start 12 games. And, you know, he's going to he's gonna have the random five touchdown game. He's going to produce yeah. decently. You can run a little bit. Like, so, you know, I think there's a, a time and a place for him, right? Like I wouldn't pick Stetson if I pick – you know, some typical high floor quarterbacks at the beginning because it's like realistically, when is that ever going to happen, right? But like Malik Cunningham's going to go for 60 points, so he's going to go for seven. And if he goes for seven, it's nice to have that fallback of Stetson. And I yeah. think if you're going to take high upside guys, you need to take someone at the end that is a surefire starter that's not going to be pushed. And that's Stetson for sure. And I, I mean, I have seen Andrew, one of the last two tweet, uh, best balls you did take. Uh, Stetson and I chuckled to myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, I'm going to go ahead and move to the second uh, pairing that I've picked. And this one has already been discussed on Twitter. Um, JT Daniels versus Cameron Ward. So the, the criteria that you established for picking one of them is probably not the most conducive to debate in the sense of raw raw fantasy output or raw average fantasy points, right? You I'm just saying to, a week-to-week basis. Yeah, factor in ADP is much more interesting. Yeah. Um, because, I didn't but, go that next level into it, Andrew. I just Yeah, yeah. So, we, I mean, we can make the debate whatever we want it to be. And exactly. I choose to make it to insert the ADP, ADP variable into the equation. And there you go. With that sentiment, it's easy for me to pick national champion JT Daniels. Um, I, I think, I mean, I don't know who we're even talking to in the sense that, like, there's probably only about 20 people that have actually been participating in any of the, the best balls that we've been doing over the first, uh, like, four months of best balls, right? But, I, I mean, yeah. in those best balls that we've been in, I know, I feel like you'll agree with me, Chris, I've, that – one of the biggest edges has been get, trying to establish kind of a gut feel on trans play, players who have entered the portal, who have not yet exited the portal and taking them before they actually commit. Because like with JT Daniels, I was very confident that he was going to net out for West Virginia tennis. West Virginia it was easy to connect the dots. I thought um, like, and before he made that commitment, like I was take, getting him 20th, 21st, 22nd round, no problem. I could pretty much name my price. And mm-hmm. now he's vaulted into like that 15 roundish area. Same kind mm-hmm. of story with Jalen Robinson. His was a little more interesting because it was like four different teams, but you could pretty much 
feel confident, I think, that his stock was going to be up regardless of which four, of the four he took. Uh, and that, that uncertainty associated with his landing spot was really uncalled for, I think. And like, but now we're seeing him go like round 10. So no more value on Jalen. But anyway, yeah. with respect to JT, I, I think I would prefer him at the price point relative to Cameron Ward. Um, that's where I stand. Yeah, I would agree in both and all points there, right? Like if I'm taking it just straight up based on the criteria you gave, I'm taking Cameron Ward reluctantly. <laughs> if I'm taking it based on ADP, it's JT Daniels. Like he just doesn't give enough, not that Cameron Ward is a runner, but JT Daniels is like a negative runner. And, you know, like he'd have to have like a monster passing season, right? Probably not going to happen, but it's possible. It's the Big 12. Um, and then just in regards to your comment about the portal, right? Like, it is very interesting. I remember us talking about JT Daniels and you saying, like, you know, I just love, like, I just love keep getting him at the end. Just, like, mid to end, just keep snagging him. Because, like, realistically, he's going to go somewhere decent. And worst case scenario, he goes to, like, Oregon State, which would have been fine. It's just weird, right? Yeah. Um, but like Jalen Robinson was a no-brainer. It, there just wasn't enough drafts between. I know, I know. If we, we needed, I got him in the one, ones. and then I was. I was waiting were... on him in that one that you took him. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to get him in like the 25th. It's going to be great. And then you took him in like the 22nd. <clears throat> it's just a weird spot, right? Like, where do you determine what's? We'll see it in this draft that starts tomorrow. Yeah, Kobe Lewis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do you think the Nichols goes? Point where he goes. Uh. Top eight. Nichols is Nichols leaving too? <laughs> no, no in the so draft. Uh, oh, guess, Nichols guess, will be a first well, there's round. Two side, there's the two Top sides eight. of the coin, right? Whereas so you're right with Kobe Lowe's, like he's the more, I guess, pra- practical example. He's now in the portal. So, right. Yeah, relative to what we were just talking. But I'm, I mean, I'm so interested to, to see where Nichols goes now in that draft. I think, I think it'll be top 10. I, and which is funny because I brought this up. I said this to Mike in that like Discord, but like, People, for the longest time, I felt like all I was hearing was, we don't like the new offensive coordinator. They're not going to hammer the run. They're going to split it up. And then they're like, oh, yeah, and by the way, Kobe Lewis is back. And then Kobe Lewis is gone, and it's like we're all forgetting that like Paul Petrino is the offensive coordinator. <laughs> but Mike made a great point, and we come from the same school. Of, I came from the, come from the school, same school. I thought of it like if McIlwain is the offensive-type-minded – and he's de- he's done what he's done for years. Like I'm not going to stress about you know a potential replacement or anything like that. Like it's just going to be what it is. But Kobe Lewis will be the interesting thing for me because he is talented. He's also coming off an injury. You know what spots are open? What spots are available? Is the yeah. question. Yeah. I feel like there's more. There's le- there's a, a lot less certainty with him than there was with like, like Jalen and JT in terms of feeling confident about taking them. Like there, there's a lot more ways it could go wrong with Kobe than it is with them. A lot of ways, right? Because like off the injury, he's a running back that's older, right? Like where does he, he go? Just be, it doesn't he get could be much better than Thompson and never exit the portal. <laughs> or Jack Sears, right? Jack Sears, never. He's still in the portal. From I'm hoping Ventavius goes to Central Michigan and just takes that job from uh, Lou Nichols. <laughs> well, he's just going to take over because Lou Nichols is transferring. So, 
<laughs> What's the right. third one, Zach? The third one is Garrett Schrader versus Jaron Hall. I know I, I, you guys haven't had any prep time to even think about it, so I'm, it's Schrader, right? Don't, don't they have a, a good offensive situation there? Not to mention, like, talk about a two-man game once Taj Harris left. That's all it was was a two-man game. Yeah. Like, he's just – he sure. runs at a ridiculous amount. I think that's the, the upside of running. And his, I remember looking at it the other day, but like his rushing stuff is just stupid. It's like, why would he run this much? And he gets so many <laughs> rushing touchdowns. Like, I think, uh, you know, it's not every day that you have a, you love a quarterback that has no real offense, offensive talent to throw to. Yeah. But that's the one. Although I like Jaron Hall. I think that's awesome. And those BYU fans are nuts on Twitter. They will come for you. So, I am not knocking Jalen uh, Hall. I'm just saying in this situation, yeah. I would prefer Schrader. Yeah, I think, I think the, sh- the upside is the, the rushing, right? Like the amount of attempts more so than anything. Um, but I think on a consistency level, I think Jaron Hall, if you, if you want a guy that you kind of know what you're going to get every week, Jaron Hall's the guy. But I think the higher ceiling is Schrader. But Andrew? Yeah, I mean, there are a few quarterbacks that I haven't drafted at all this year intentionally that I'm terrified could break my bank account as a result, and Trader's one of them. <laughs> my initial stance was that I just felt like there's a lot of ways it could go wrong. Um, but, I mean, things keep, seem like they're tracking on the straight and narrow for him so far through the first whatever X amount of months through the offseason he's dodged. Not entirely the portal, right? I mean, they they took that that quarterback uh, from F- Florida, but it doesn't seem like anything's uh, suggesting that he's going to challenge Schrader in any way. I thought that he wasn't necessarily a glove fit for the, the system based on what we've seen recently. But at the same time, like this is the like okay, we you can you can make what I think you could actually make whatever argument you want and feel good and convince yourself that you're right when it comes to, to Schrader, right? So you could argue against him uh, just based on what, like, he's like he is in no way really equipped to do what Brennan Armstrong just did. But this is the same, this is the same OC that made Taysom Hill look like a golden god on the football field. <laughs> uh, so, like, those, their skill sets, Taysom and Schrader, like, are perfect. Like, like the Venn diagram is a perfect circle for those two, which is, like, the idea of, Fading actively, Taysom Hill in like the sixth, seventh round peaked his Taysom Hill, BYU Taysom Hill before they tried to make him a pocket passer is like a horrifying concept because that's the, that's how you you guarantee that you have zero shot at winning the league. <laughs> I like oh. Jaron Hall though. I've been drafting him, um, but when he kind of gets uh, when I have the ability to get him as like my uh, QB three, QB four. So you yeah. would lean Hall. Um, yeah, I mean, similar to a lot of uh, stances such as Lou Nichols, I begrudgingly dug in and don't really advise anyone to. to you don't have an option. <laughs> oh, that's great. But you love the Puka yeah. connection, right? I, dude, I love Puka, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to love some Puka, you might as well get his quarterback, too. Right. Back yeah. to back. Oh, I didn't realize we had. Um, comments. Jared has all three comments. Um, he put this one up on about, I guess, about a 
Kobe Lewis. I could see McIlwain splitting that backfield to reward Lewis. Don't see him doing that for anyone else in that backfield. Okay, yeah, I get it now. By the way, check out that picture of Jared right there. That's got to be <laughs> a while ago. No, Jared sa- shaved his facial hair, so it could be. Either. I don't know. That it looks like looks a, looks a little high school senior. Yeah, senior yeah. photo. Yeah, it looks good. It's a good picture. I just, it's definitely younger. I definitely looked worse in my senior picture. Oh, yeah, me too. Just a heads up. Oh, so he also says how he feels, how Katz feels about Schrader breaking his bank accounts. How he feels about Charbonnet. That's appropriate for Andrew, considering he's leading that bandwagon. I mean, if you don't take if you don't take any sort of stance and you just can try to play the uh, like the the game where you're kind of, you're just taking X percent of every single player, that's how you come in sixth place in every single league. So, well, the thing is, right? <clears throat> we don't play yeah, enough. Don't don't to don't, don't try to, to turn this into DFS where you need. We to don't play, play enough. <laughs> we don't play in enough leagues to to just take <laughs> the status quo. Okay. For this steers to DFS talk, let's go ahead and jump into our um, weekly win totals series. And Andrew had a team that he's kept from us the last few days, so let him let him lead off with what team he wants to do. And I'll pull pull it up. Can I just can I can I just start with saying that he asked us if we wanted to know, and I said I don't care. And then he's like, (laughs) I'm not going to tell you. But the funny thing is, it's like. I would have done the same amount of research. So like it does not matter. <laughs> right. Like did not me. matter going into it. Yeah, but so. now all th- two or one of our viewers can actually see how y- your brain functions in real time. It's fair. Exactly. Um, all right. Where where are we going? Dude, we're going to the Mac. We're talking Kent State. <laughs> okay. Nice. Which is like the most straightforward conversation in so many ways, right? There and like I can we can the, the, the conversation for the first four games starts the same exact way every single year. And for the next five years, it's the same exact way. FCS school win, that they win by 50 points get taken to the woodshed in the other three games, right? Whew. Yes, they do. do Good. I mean, at Washington does not feel as bad as it could be. Right. Yeah, it could be. No, but when they scheduled it, that, it was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're, dude, they're licking their chops. They're like, ooh, too Millie. Hold on. They get at Washington, <laughs> at Oklahoma, and at Georgia. They, they couldn't even swing one of those at home. Mm, there's no yeah, reason dude, for those schools what they to do, do it. This, this pays for the bills. They want the no, money. Yeah, they want the money. Okay, so we're going to go Washington loss. Yeah. I mean, this is the easiest first four you'll get. Loss, yeah. loss. Loss, loss, win, loss. Okay. Do you read uh do you read Hustle Belt ever? Uh, I have. It's not that good usually, but they, they wrote an article on uh on Kent State this uh like two two days ago and get I learned something new about them, which seems feels rare to me because I try and consume all Kent State content that I can. Um, but their OC is Matt Johnson. Oh yeah? Or, or not not their OC, their QB's coach. QB That's- coach is Matt Johnson. So I, I don't know. I like, I've heard it. I forget where it was discussed on, I think maybe on Jared's podcast recent recently. Um, but, and we've talked about it too. I think uh, that like Sean Lewis obviously is the lifeblood of that program, their coach. And like what happens when he leaves, it's incredibly surprising that he hasn't left to this point. Um, some, someone brought up that the, uh, the reality that 
Mac coaches just generally though don't get pride for P5 jobs anymore. Like there's been so many failures of uh, Mac coaches going from the Mac to P5 that like it seems like the Power Fives kind of for, for lack of a better term learn their lesson. So there's hope that maybe Sean Lewis doesn't leave for the Power Five anytime soon, um, right? I mean, and he is, or we can assume kind of he is the the everything to that program in the sense that they were the second lowest scoring team the year before he was there. And then two years later, he, they led the FBS in scoring, which is just, I mean, how, how can you put it any more straightforward, how incredible that is. But I think it's a little interesting. Like, let's say maybe he takes a, like a top OC job instead of a head coaching job. So, uh, right. He becomes, he goes and becomes an OC in the SEC. Maybe Matt Johnson uh, gets promoted to head coach and there's some success succession plan in place there. And you guys, you guys remember who that is, right? Matt Johnson. Uh, Bowling green quarterback. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So John Lewis is what, like 29 guy is yeah. like younger than all of us. It's amazing. but they also i need to dig it up and obviously zero prep for the show etc etc but they i remember tweeting about it when it happened i was like at elijah's like three month checkup waiting for the doctor to inevitably show up an hour and a half later or whatever and kent state made some incredibly impressive defensive hire this offseason i tweeted about it and like was um but i think it was out of the box or outside the box and the fact that they're actually like doing something about their horrendous defense and it actually drew my attention enough to like to um tweet about it like three weeks after the national championship or whatever i um it's i, I hopefully when i eventually find the tweet and it resonates as much as it does now because i'm approaching this uh you know, you know the schedule through the lens of their defense baby only giving up 35 points a game in the Mac instead of 40. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I think they're always going to struggle defensively if they just go super fast all the time. Right. Like, right, right, right. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like in basketball, you know, you run into the college teams that just run and shoot a three within the first five seconds. Like, of course they're going to have a ton of points. So I think it's kind of one of those things where they probably just try to need to just do the old bend, but don't break and just like live off yeah. of turnovers or something. Right. Just but, improve a little bit on the yeah, defensive side. A little you've, bit. You've won three more games. I, they, I mean, they were, they were awesome last year doing what they did. Right. They, um, like they, I bet them, I bet, I think I only bet two, maybe three conference futures last year. I bet them and Western Kentucky and got awesome odds on both. It was like, eight to 10 to one on both. And they both of course lost in the conference championship games. And I didn't hedge because not that. Too that uh, exactly. Uh, but I mean, they don't have that much more to improve on from a win total perspective, right? Just that, like they were, they won as many games as you could expect them to last year, right? outside yeah. of maybe one or two more. Like they, 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 same thing last year, they dropped three non-con games against, I think it was Maryland, A&M and someone else who was just incredible. Kyle. Iowa, yeah. So, I mean, the when, when you start your schedule like that every single year, yeah, it's not going to be good. All right, so they gave up. I just checked. They gave up five hundred and eight points <laughs> <laughs> in fourteen games. That's awesome. Yeah. So we got them lose, loss, loss, win, loss. So they're one and three. Then they get the first MAC game against Ohio at home. 
I mean, what is there to really be that that excited about with Ohio? They, no, I, I think actually win, but Jared's boy tugboat's gone, right? Um, and yeah. Arma, Armani, did you know we talked we talked about Armani Rogers now being a tight end in the league, right? I yeah. don't know that we have. Did we do yeah, that? His, his inevitable future from the the early UNLV days. Oh yeah, uh, but I forget who are are they rolling with Rourke this year? I'm so intrigued about all these schools on their schedule, all the Mac, because I feel like I don't know as much about most Mac schools as I would like to at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a win. Win. Yeah. Then they go on the road at Miami, Ohio. That one's kind of tough, but I think no, they no, no, note that these are Saturday games. We're not. It's yeah, not, we're not. We're not to the. To the max not November, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, when stuff gets weird. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I think they win. I think they get the win against Miami. Yeah, yeah. Miami. I always confuse Miami, Ohio, and Ball State because of the colors and like that. I don't know. That's so much of the way my brain works in terms of just associations with stuff. But Miami, Ohio, right? It's they have Gabbert, right, and they have yeah. Hammer. That that's that team. So. Yeah. Right, but I think like if you look at the numbers, like Kent State, if we're saying they're going to improve at all on defense, I think they win the game. It's tough. I think it's a close game. Um, so last year, you want to know what the score was last year? What was it? 48-47 win in overtime. It's awesome. But as close as it gets. So That was a matching game, though. It yeah, fun. Noel, that was a Saturday. Really? Yes, yeah, says it was a Saturday, November twenty seventh. Yep. That's but fun. anyway, so are we split on this one? I'm good with I, a win. I'm so it's so hard for teams like Kent State for me because I just know how good they are offensively, and I don't know enough right. about them defensively that I tend to just be like, well, Kent State's got better offense than Miami, so I'll go with Kent State. We we expect them to score more points on the road. I, I'll give them a now. All right, so I guess we're going to give him a win because Chris okay. gave him a win. All right, then the next one at Toledo. Against your boy. I'm giving him a loss. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't know what it can't – like, so I've told you about my infamous Google Keep document. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not even a document. It's like their Google's uh, project management tool or whatever where you just take down your thoughts. For some reason, I have written in that that I, I need to bet Toledo to win the conference this year in the MAC. Absolutely no memory of it or why, how I came to that conclusion. Um, but I don't know. Like at Toledo, in the Glass Bowl, that's tough. I, I mean, yeah, I yeah. think I'll give them an L. I'm good with an L. I think those two are close enough to 50 50s that like they get one of them. So just only a matter of which one it is. Yeah. Right. All right, so now next is Akron. At home, yeah, I mean, it's Akron. a win. I mean, and it, it. I think the only the most interesting part of it is if nothing if nothing really changes with Kent State in the sense that they can't stop the run, and Joe Moorhead comes in and gets the run game working how he likes to. Like potentially, it's an interesting matchup. But even then. Akron is pretty bereft of talent, and even before they had a lot of their talent stolen via the portal, they were still Akron. So, I mean, yeah. you can't give them anything but a, a win here. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a win. 
What a weird yeah. move for Moorhead. And I what's even weirder is I think his wife was happy when he <laughs> took the Akron job. Are you trying to are, are you trying to give away our proprietary uh transfer uh information? <laughs> no, 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 no. His I think his wife is from the Midwest and wanted to go back to the Midwest. Yeah, so when he's they, from he's from like right there. Yeah, so when they decided to go to Akron, I read something that was like, yeah, and his wife's so excited to go back to the Midwest. And I'm like, yeah, but to Akron. Yeah. By the way, I have a transfer that there is a girlfriend element. I haven't told anyone about it, and it's pretty much impossible to find anywhere. I saw one reference in it to it across everything, and I'm latching onto it as like the the reason for how I feel about that player. Part of the reason, part of the equation for how I feel about that player. That do can you tell us? No. I mean, I can get Amico on this, and he'll get it within minutes. The he doesn't know anything about is. college football. But he's great at research. So we know <laughs> is that the issue is we don't know where the girlfriend actually goes or. Um. Why is it challenging? It was lit, like I only saw a reference in one coach interview. The players I've never seen, like the player actually said say anything about it or anything. It, it, and it wasn't even mentioned in like the initial transfer articles about the player. It was like months later after the transfer actually occurred. It's wild. Huh. Nice. Interesting. All right. So we got them win against uh, Akron. And they're off. Then the Maction weekly Maction starts. Love it begins. So they get Ball State at home. It's got to be a win. Win. Good favorable schedule, in my opinion. Right. At Bowling Green. I mean, come on. At Bowling Green. The Fighting Matt McDonald's. That's a W. Yeah. Uh, then they get Eastern Wish, Eastern Michigan, and then at Buffalo to close. Eastern Michigan at home. I'm. There's no real reason for me not to give them a win there. Yep. Okay, so I'm trying to get this sorted out. Sorry. Yeah, you're very confusing, distracting. Yeah. Yeah, I think right. win Eastern Michigan. So we got a beating. Uh, yep. And then beating Bowling Green. Yep. That's what we said, and then. Win, win, win. A win for Eastern Michigan for sure. Okay, then at Buffalo to close the season out. I think I think they beat Buffalo in all likelihood. There's just Buffalo was terrible. I love about the direction of the. And they don't have McDuffie. Left. Like, ironically, like they 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 scored two hundred nineteen and gave up two sixty two, which was in conference which was better than Kent State. <laughs> but they were only 2 and 6 in conference. Who is this? Buffalo. If what What was better than so what were Kent State's numbers in that that split? They scored 308 but gave up 297. That's so funny. In conference, but they were 6 and 2. <laughs> they were 7 and 7 overall. It scored 462, gave up 508. So and I it's awesome. po- I mean it's entirely possible that we are blinded by CFF blinders with a team like this. Yeah. So 
I'm cool with just giving him a win. And I am too. If McDuffie was there, like you can think, okay, well maybe a guy goes, you know, he puts on like the big game, but like so that's that's eight and four. The, the further they're the the further they get away from Leopold or that guy's name that's at Kansas, like yeah. the worse they become, theoretically, in my yeah. opinion. So yeah. that's eight and four. It's a lot to expect, but it is a lot to expect. But I, I think the losses. Other than the obvious losses, so we're saying they lose one conference game at Toledo. Yeah, it's not happening. So we're gonna Nailed put it down, lock it in eight. Yep. Okay. This the schedule I, they avoid Northern Illinois, who invariably is their nemesis because all they do is run the ball and Kent State and Central Michigan. Right, right. They avoid them too. So that's and Western. So that's nice. Yeah. So the schedule is sweet. Uh, the, so I bet their win total this morning. Do you want to guess what it is? Six, seven and a half. Five. Five. Kent State is five. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first one we've been way off on. Yeah, I, dude. I, I think I think we're CFF blinded to a decent degree, but I also think I mean the the easiest, the simplest way to think about it is. Okay. They win against LIU without a problem, and it's very difficult to see how they lose to either Akron or Bowling Green or I think Eastern Michigan as well, right? So that's... Oh, no, Hassan, I'm rethinking Eastern Michigan. Yeah, at home. All right, let, let's take it by back. The way, take it by the way, check out, check out the, the time for the Eastern Michigan game. Six, seven, or eight. <laughs> 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 they haven't flexed it yet. They don't know what... what ESPN network and then three different channels, ESPN two, ESPNU, or CBS Sports. Dude, that I, I love how Maxion get when it gets to that point. I feel like it starts off a little slow with the the way the games are set up, where it and it's slow and conservative, where they just have like a couple blocks at like a seven p.m. and like a seven thirty. You can't even watch all the games, or um, or it's like Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, but then you start they start doing this thing where. <laughs> Where it's like three different channels, the game times kind of they, they announce them uh, like uh, the the just the week before and stuff. It's great. Okay, I've picked our second team, but real quick, real quick, yeah. because we yeah. just were talking about Buffalo. I saw today something that blew my mind, and I would have never thought this was going to happen years ago. Do you know where Kyle Van Therese goes to school? Georgia Southern, right? Georgia Southern. <laughs> that just blew my mind. Like years ago, I would have been like, "There's no way he is going to Georgia Southern." I, uh, I, I wasted some time watching a little bit of the spring game. He he didn't look bad. Like they have a real offense now. They actually throw the ball, and he like he was quick hitting fine against uh, like whatever third string defense or whatever. It, it looked it, it looked actually competent. Hmm. Yeah, it was weird. All right. You guys ready? Oh, so oh, yeah. Jared's commenting on our. Uh, our I'm, I'm seeing I, as much. Yeah. I, I Jared, been... Jared is aligned with us on the CFF blinders. So he says eight and four, seven and five with a maxion element. That's fair, I think. Yeah. So we're all in agreement. The over of five is I a mean, lot. That feels like that number is going to be due Go back so to hard the schedule. Here. I want to finish my thought on it. Okay. Let me go back to. Okay, hold on. I don't. 
I think it's really difficult to make any argument that there aren't three absolute locks. And then with Buffalo, Eastern Michigan, and Ball State, it's, I think it's tough to find to talk your way into how they could be any worse than two and one, two and one, right? And with Ohio look like looking like a really good win as well. Like five to me feels like the floor. Uh, it wouldn't be that. I just wonder how beat up they are after Washington, Oklahoma, and Georgia. right. I mean the the risk is Schley <laughs> dies on the field in one of those weeks, and then now we're yeah. looking at four and eight. <laughs> yeah, like that is that's in the realm of possibilities for sure. But I mean, yeah. over five seems low. Really low. I mean, not for really a low. Team that but... was just in the championship, you would think that. Like five seems low. If they had said six, six and a half, I'd be okay. That sounds pretty. That sounds about right. But all right, let me go on. Yeah, I mean the way you the way you framed it though with their point uh, differential is definitely a little frightening. <laughs> you got a lot of coins <laughs> that names. All right. Um, so I wanted to go to Texas Tech mainly because in the Discord, um, one of the topics that was requested was Texas Tech um, to see going to kind of try to knock out two things at once here but it said let me find it um okay so k hookham in the discord as you your guys uh, our, our boy yeah i'd like to hear y'all uh, y'all's take on texas tech seems like the community is ignoring the system more than others this season or just an overall look at them so i figure we do that with their schedule how do you feel about that? Is that cool? Good, because that's what we're doing. Okay, so we're going to give them a win to start out with at Murray State or against Murray State. Then they get Houston week two. Be, this one, I think they got a string of tough ones here. Yeah, like those those first. Well, after Murray State, those next three. How games. do you, how do you uh, let's zoom out a little bit though? How how do you think this actually plays out in terms of? how the team actually plays like what is their vibe that they're okay obviously Kelly's going to come in and throw the ball around it's going to be it's going to be awesome in the sense that it's just going to be like no matter what the scenario is they're going to throw the ball an absolute ton but is that scenario they're winning ball games uh because they're really effective throwing the ball uh and like I I believe in Joey McGuire I, everything I read about the guy makes me think that he's some combination between high school legend and like mafia guy. Like he gives off those kind of vibes to me. And I, I think that he is, his message message resonates within the program and throughout Texas as well. I think he's going to just generally be successful, but I think that there's a lot of different ways that this season can go. It wouldn't be that surprising to me that the way, if the way it plays out is they're not overly successful on the field this year, when it comes to wins and losses, they still chuck the ball around and, yeah. uh, like it's totally possible that you just pick the wrong guys from a CFF perspective, right? You pick a quarterback and you pick Shuck and he gets benched. You pick Morton, he never sees the field. Uh, wide receiver, I mean, it could just be a roulette wheel, but they're still good. No matter what happens, they're going to throw the ball all over the place, right? They're going to like, right. there's no scenario where Kelly's like, oh, I'm just going to start running the ball all the time now. That's like, <laughs> that's not going to happen. But I think it's just interesting to think about like, what is the actual script of the game's going to look get, most likely to look like? This is Which I guess is the point of this exercise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is tough, right? Because I think there's, I think there's a lot of people that think Shuck is, is going to fail in the first five games, and then Morton will come in. 
And if have that you happens, ever, have you formed an opinion about him, like an, a definitive opinion about him? Shuck or Morton? Shuck. This is my and just dumb fate of the whole situation because I just don't feel comfortable picking him where he's being picked. And like yeah. when there when he was a little bit of a value, and there was yeah. even more uncertainty. I have him in one of my dynasty leagues, and I don't feel confident at all with him. I don't know if he's like the guy. Like Zappy works because he was very successful at a small school, then went to you know a, a FCS school, then he went to conference USA with the same staff and receivers. I don't get the same vibe from Texas Tech. Like we're just so, literally saying the they're gonna throw a ton, which is awesome, and I get the fantasy value part of it. But like Miles Price didn't do anything last year, really, right? Like he was pretty whatever. It's not like Ezukama is back, right? Like we're literally just saying we are just full fledged style of offense and yeah. volume, and that only matters, which it will probably, but it's just it's just very scary. So the, the, the time in the system was definitely hugely advantageous for Zappi. But and similarities with I, the, the I think players. just saying like trying to pawn that off as a reason for his success is a disservice to him. Like that dude, his processing abilities, command of that offense, and like clearly his smarts on the field are like upper, upper echelon. Like there's a reason he dude, he was picked before Sam Howell. Like he was picked in the fourth round of the draft. At, yeah. In, in the NFL draft, like that dude processes insanely quickly, and I think that that plays perfectly with uh, what Kidley wants to do. I get the exact opposite vibes from Chuck. Like, dude, read anything about right. this guy off the field. He seems like a total idiot, like a, an absolute airhead. Like he is more he is more interested in his modeling career and the <laughs> signing with the right brands than anything else. Like he like the guy. And then you see it translate on the field of him just throwing a lollipop pick sixes in the spring game. So, there, like I was, I, I went through a, a stretch where I took him backpack drafts in Greg's league just because I was starting to like buy into the idea that 500 pass attempts in Kelly's system, let's go. Uh, but now I'm, I'm having more pause, just really thinking more about the idea that Chuck is just like the, the dude. So- how okay? What are his? Um, if you had to give a percentage on that, he is their starter. What is their it? starter at yeah. week one? Eighty-five percent. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I would go maybe even okay. more confident. Now the question is, end of season, does he keep it right? Well, they're you, losing the, to Houston and NC State. They were, I mean, the I can State. I could get I could go with that. Yeah. yeah. So we got win, loss, loss. Then they get Texas. And uh, Andrew's biased. He hates Texas. So he's going to just. I'm sure it'll be a wild game, right? Uh, like, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I, 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 I really should have taken, retracted my immediate L on NC State because I, I don't like, see, I, I'm not as willing to get on the bandwagon as a lot of people are with NC state, I think for this year and with Devin Leary as well, uh, coming into this year, I think that there's an opportunity to just kind of fade that and profit, uh, just based on how many people um, uh, are gravitating toward that program. But I think it's still tough to project anything other than L for Texas tech against them in week three on the road too. Yeah. 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 
I think um, Texas, I mean, it was not an exciting or interesting game last year. Well, it was exciting from a fantasy perspective. I think it was like 73-27 or something. Uh, 70 Texas, to 35 yeah. yeah, Texas beat them. But, I mean, they've had some amazing uh, games in the past. Maybe we see something like that this year as well. I still pick a loss. I think it's yeah. I think I've, early in the season, it's it's just you're getting the crux like that high apex of like Texas is back <laughs> before the downhill slope there. Yeah, that's for you looking. All right, but then, look, even tougher, you know, yeah. Kansas State. You get Kansas State. Yeah, I think that's in L as well. They lost 25-24 last season at home. I think it's a loss. I mean, Jeez. I try to think of it like who are the best players on the field. Yeah. Like Deuce Vaughn is the best player on the field. And then shamefully, I think Adrian Martinez. This is, but this is how we do this. And this is the yeah. exact opposite way of that smart, of how smart people do this exercise where they have their power rankings and they, <laughs> they do the, this, the thing that Nick loves to do where he like is looking at all the depth charts and, He's looking at roster turnover the and all that stuff, looking at everything, like yeah. bringing all the data, aggregating See, that's, it, up, breaking that's it down. overdoing it. That's overdoing it. And, and that's and the other like, pod. That's the Wednesday night pod. That's you, not the Tuesday night pod. You and you and me are just saying, yeah, Deuce Vaughn's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A little off the beaten path here. Is there another team in the country that plays three seventh year starters, senior starting quarterbacks in a row? <laughs> because you get Martinez, Sanders, and Daniels. Three wow. weeks. It's a great Amazing. Call. All right. So we're we're in agreement. Win, loss, 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 loss. One and four. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. If you don't mind me asking, how close is this game? Murray <laughs> <laughs> State's just fine. Just fine. <laughs> okay. Then they go at Oklahoma State. It's another loss, right? It's got to be. Dude, they're not going into Boone Pickens and coming out with a win. Right. So then they and, get the bye week to reset. With this being said, where – I mean, we got Shuck being benched, right? Like, you can't go one and five and still be the starting quarterback, right? Not when they have a kind of a competition going into the season. I wouldn't think so. There's no allegiance to Shuck. The leash has this, this Morton guy is young and he's a four star. What do you, what is your takeaway that Smith didn't enter the portal? And he's he's probably just, I don't think there's a reason to yet potentially. I mean, like yeah. you might as well wait a little bit, maybe see what shakes out. Well, the idea, right? The the galaxy brain idea that um, a lot a lot of our brethren had was that he was going to lose the job in the spring and dip out to Louisiana Tech and start there. Clearly, it's so possible, happened. right? Well, not really. He, he's like, unless he's trying to graduate this summer, but I don't, I think he's pretty young. I don't think he's been in college that long. So, yeah, based on the activity well, we, we've seen in the portal since the quote unquote deadline, I think that there will be some level of enforcement on undergrads trying to transfer and play immediately. He's as good as point. gone, though, right? Like, he had, like, what is the reason for him to stay? I think. One That's what guys, I was. I wanted you to answer that question. The resident sense. Texas Tech guy yeah. in Discord was saying that his dad was like the running back coach or receiver but he's gone. coach or something. But he's gone now. There's yeah. zero reason for him to stay. He's not a great fit for this, like the offense, right? 
Right. Um, they have a young guy they very much want to put in, it seems like, or willing to give him a shot at winning the gig. There, it makes no sense for him to stay. Unless he moves to like receiver, there's no reason for him to stay. <laughs> oh, God, Chris, don't go there. I'm just saying, right? Like, you see all these guys change positions. Maybe he says, whatever, I'm done, and I just switch over to receiver. I don't know. All so right. Then, Let's get back on the um, home, home against JT. I think we can get him a, a W. They'll have get, the new quarterback in, get him in with the yeah. ones, and then they come it'll out. Be, it'll be re energized after the bye week. It's tough to give them a win, man. JT's going to yeah. ha- have so many wins on that ledger by that point. Like I, I have a hard time giving them a win there if I didn't give them a win in any of these games up here. I think those. Houston is a very solid team. Yes. And State has a yeah, it's also I mean it's still the state of Texas. Um yeah. NC State, you got a really good quarterback, generally mm-hmm. speaking. Yeah. And you have an experienced coach and a solid defense, right? Then Texas, right? You know, we did talk about that. And then it becomes this murky road games like if kansas state or oklahoma state were at home i would be i would feel better about saying win but like yeah. on the road i'm just not doing it right right the only game actually i feel that i would even think giving them a win would be the kansas state game but the fact that it's on the road i'm not, yeah we I'm can not. give them a win against jt i think that's a like Coming off a bye, let down spot after off a bye, new quarterback gets injected into the offense. They they yeah. feel a little bit more uh, upbeat. So we'll go ahead and do that. Then they get Baylor the next week. And let me see here. I have a tough time forming any real opinion on Baylor for so this year. That's Baylor, cool. they, they closed the season out last year at Baylor, losing 27-24. So, but Donovan Smith was the quarterback in that game. Yeah. Baylor is good, man. They just they got yeah. a great defense. They have a great typical offensive scheme. You know, nothing flashy or crazy, but pretty balanced. They got and a good – They coach. come out – I mean, like, these running backs last year, Abram Smith, like – they're not like world beaters. They're good players that like go on to potential careers, but like NFL careers. But like the head coach was at Amaro, um, whatever his name is, is like is very Aranda. good. Like Aranda's good. Aranda, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I yeah. there's not a ton of coaches out there that are as as good as him. Right. So I think he's there. You know, and Shapin's pretty solid. I don't think he's like cool things and sliced bread, but I mean. He's solid. You know, he could take another leap as a young guy in the, another year. I'm giving him a loss. You guys agree? Agree? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Then they get at. I'll go at TCU. After that, God, like their their easy games are like on the road, right? <laughs> I mean, this is. I don't, a... They lost by twenty last year to TCU. Fifty-two this... to thirty-one. This is the part of the schedule where Dykes should be starting to let down a little bit. The team TCU started TC started five and zero, and then the losses start to come forth. Then they they're fighting for bowl eligibility. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I give them. I don't loss. have a great. I have one opinion. 
on TCU, generally speaking, and that's that Quentin Johnson is overrated in terms of CFF. Otherwise, I don't know what to think of that team. Is he the best player on the field? <laughs> I mean, I think he is the best player on the field, unfortunately. Okay, so but the same lot. I don't know if that's enough, man. Yeah. So I, I, I'm giving him a loss. I'm fine I'm with it. Maybe we get like this super fun Chandler Morris game of the year. That okay, one game he, last year for him was just they, phenomenal. He played Kansas. If they're not winning here, I'm not seeing where they're winning. Got to yeah. be a win. Yeah, it's a win. Okay. Then at Iowa State, I'm giving them a loss. Yep. And then Oklahoma, loss. So that's, I'm, by the way, not you – know, like I think they lose to Iowa State for reasons that we just saw above. But, like, that to me is – I don't think Iowa State's as good as as good as saying like auto win. Yeah, but I think they lose. But I'm just saying, so I, you know, when you bring in a quarterback and right. Okay, so Texas Tech's three and nine. We have what? Anybody want to have another um, have another team to go? We have one more. So the Do you want to guess the win total for them? I'm guessing it's five. Five and a half. Four and a half. Five, five and a half. Okay. So we're significantly under, and I, I would probably think they win at least four, but I have a hard time picking which one that would be. Five, I mean, five and a half is nice for the under, right? It's tough to find yeah. six on there. Yeah, I don't know where they're getting six wins at. Like, unless they have them beat in Houston. I just wouldn't bet it because if it if the offense does work, they win six. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. All right. So that's three and nine. Last team. Let's do. Uh, let's do NC State. We haven't done a ACC team yet, have we? I don't know. I haven't kept. I haven't kept track of the. Uh, um, let's do NC State. We already know one of them. Okay. An L to Texas Tech. <laughs> that's all we got. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They open up the season at East Carolina. I think it's a win. Yeah. Although it's not as surefire, right? Like, I think Keaton Mitchell carrying his game. When you have, like, some older, talented guys like uh, Allers, who's been there forever, and then you have Keaton Mitchell, like, that's a pretty decent start to upset. I'm kidding. Not a loss. Win. Why is this? Oh, God. Wrong one. Just the worst. It's just terrible. All right. Charleston Southern win. Win. Then they win. Got Look at this. Everybody needs to start oh. like this. Yeah. Goodness gracious. This is, mm. UConn. Love it. it. It's They might be They might be 7-0. They, they have the rare double bye week. <laughs> With UConn. I was insinuating that UConn yeah. was a bye week. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Isn't Jamora their coach? Yeah. UConn? Yeah. His, his wife could not be happy about that. Um, <laughs> Why are you worried about their wives? <laughs> Dude, we're, we're thinking within the game, man. We don't think uh, about numbers. We think about context clues and okay. stuff like that. At Clemson. At Clemson is, is fairly tough. I mean, it's just all based around, like, is DJU. It's funny because I'm running back. In that, 
segment earlier, I almost did a DJU versus somebody. Oh, and yes. I was like, no, we've already done the DJU thing already. So I scrapped it. But Clemson's defense is just so good. Yeah. And they have Will Shipley that it's like, it's, this is going to be like the Syracuse Clemson game where it's like 21 to 10, 21 13, and just this boring, slow game. I mean, I think I would lean NC. I don't know at Clemson stuff. I think I would at lean NC State though, barely. I don't know. Clemson's winning that game. I think Clemson. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm leaning Clemson. But I mean, last year it went to double OT. Clemson or NC State won in double overtime, but Clemson was at home. Though I'm guessing, right? Yeah, they were at home. So yeah. I said I'm fine with the loss. I'm fine with the loss. I have to think DJU. Does improve. Well, Klubnik will be the QB by yeah. then. Yeah. Well, either way. Then they get Florida State after Clemson, and I, mean, I think they win that game. Yeah, it's a win at, at home. Then at Syracuse, I think they win that game. Yep. Okay, I then. wouldn't be surprised if they drop one of those two games. I You're just not an NC State guy. <laughs> not really. All right. Then they, <laughs> then they go uh, on a Thursday night, or I guess they stay at home on Thursday night against Virginia Tech. Man, that would have been cool to do that, Tech. But I would say win. Virginia Tech's like a 5-6 yeah. win team at best right now. So okay. This one's interesting. Homecoming. This will be fun. This will be it's a fun game. For us. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, I can, okay. I can, I can say L here. I'm. I I give him an L here too. Danger. Yeah. Let's give him an L. Homecoming okay. loss. Yeah. <laughs> you got Boston College the week late. The next week, you don't want to do homecoming that week. Right. Come so, on. I mean, that's a win. Well, yeah. At Louisville. L. I, I can I, go. I think an L is fine. And then they get the but rivalry, the um, Black Friday against at North Carolina. I think win. Yeah, I think scary. going one of two to end yeah. is, is pretty fair. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Andrew, what is their – um, theirs is gonna be like nine and a half or ten. No, it's, it's eight. Yeah, and a half. I, I'll bring. I'll bring them now. I agree. It's gonna be eight and a half. Uh, let's see. NC State. We picked. We did nine. So this is shared, by the way, for those that um, are still following along. We have a live spreadsheet of all of our um, projections, and there was no pre-thought into any of these. So eight, and a, eight and a half with heavy overjuice. Okay. So yeah. hey, public loves NC State, man. Dude. Yeah. I know that doesn't you know show love, but like eight and a half with heavy overjuice is is uh yeah not surprising. So if yeah. you're betting that you gotta bet the under, right? Because Chris I mean Andrew's already thinking they might lose one of those Florida State or Syracuse games anyway. There's no reason to bet that 
There's no reason about that. If you're yeah, thinking just there, well. because if the... you go over, you're paying extra juice for it, and if you go under, it's yeah. like you're just doing it just to do it. And then at that point, just find a European soccer game or something. They'll bet on <laughs> some. Don't tempt me. I will. Mexican League baseball or something. Russian hockey. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, that's, that's all three teams, right? So we've discussed. Um, we want to run through a bunch of teams. We're not going to do it tonight, but we'll probably have um, next week or two weeks from now, we'll have a bunch of teams that we just kind of talk about off, off, uh, off air. And we just kind of list out what we pick the win totals to be. So we can run through like, like your Vanderbilts and your Illinois, uh, Illinois. Yeah. Teams like that, that Andrew loves Illinois, but we're not going to dissect their whole schedule, but we can give you a list, maybe five to 10 teams. Let's knock a bunch of these out. We'd like, like to do as many as we can, but um, that's all we've got. I think for this week, we went way longer than intended, but until next week, um, all we got. So see you guys later. See you guys.